Welcome back to 21 Steps, an audiobook podcast by M. A. Box. Chapter 19 The next few weeks went by very quickly for the attorney, Jason. He was trying so hard to get everything in place for the trial. This was going to be big. He made an appointment to meet the night before the trial, where Jason would put in his plea. He had received a plea bargain deal from the district attorney, saying that if Derek would plead guilty, they would drop the charges to manslaughter and he would serve one to fifteen years in prison. Jason hoped desperately that Derek would choose instead to plead not guilty and that this would become a monumental case decision. Jason walked into the jail and through all of the security checkpoints with anticipation in his chest. He was so excited to share the news with Derek that he had come up with a way he would be able to walk away from the situation after spending a little time in the state mental facility. He knew that Derek wouldn't like that idea very well, but he really hoped that he would make that decision so they could continue to fight this case. He walked into the large room where Derek was waiting at a table in the corner. His shoulders were bent over and it appeared that he had lost weight. Jason didn't think that would be possible, as Derek was already too thin. Hey you, Jason said with a spring in his step and that same funny smile that Derek had seen the last time he was leaving. I have some great news for you. Are you ready? Derek wasn't quite to his level of enthusiasm, but responded that he was. We have a great chance of making this all go away. Tomorrow we go in and plead not guilty. Then we go to battle. Carol and I think that we can prove that you were temporarily insane based upon your post-traumatic stress disorder. What do you mean walk away? Then what? Well, you will probably have to spend a couple of years in the state mental ward. They will monitor you and release you when they see that you are ready. What kind of treatment will I get there? Well, to be honest, it usually ends up being more a medicate and walk away kind of facility. When they let you out, you will probably be good to go, and obviously you will still have some probationary treatment. Derek now knew that this attorney didn't understand why he had originally turned himself in, and he really didn't want to tell him. To him, the situations at night with his children were far more devastating and embarrassing to him than the reason he was sitting here today. I don't like that idea very much. I think I need to do what I came here for and take responsibility for my actions. Won't I get the same treatment in prison, but it will last longer? Well, yes. Yes, you will, but it will probably be better in the mental health arena, not in the prison. It will be a long fight, but I really think we can do it. Derek couldn't help but feel fear about every aspect of his life and situation being publicly addressed by the court. He also knew that if he was able to get away with this crime, his family and friends still wouldn't respect him. Well, I think I probably deserve the time in prison. I want to take responsibility and move on. I don't want my boys thinking that I am an insane coward. He knew that is what it would look like. All of the men that he fought with overseas would see that as the easy way out, and he didn't want to take that road anymore. He really needed and wanted to get help. If I admit that I am guilty, what will happen? Well, the district attorney has made a plea deal. They will reduce the charges to manslaughter and you will serve 1 to 15 years in prison. I really think we are going to be better off if you fight. It will bring the post-traumatic stress disorder to light and shine a light on the VA and the lack of ability to fix it. I don't want to be made an example of. I don't want to be the person who changes the world. I just want my life back. I just want to live a normal day again where I feel proud of something, not ashamed. This is not the time in my life that I will walk away. I want to take responsibility and plead guilty. Derek noticed that his voice had gotten really loud and his face felt very warm. He could also see the surprised look in his attorney's eyes that was full of shock. Derek lowered his voice. I just want to do what is right. I want to take responsibility and get the help that I need. Although Jason felt very defeated, he knew as an attorney he had to represent his client. Derek was set on pleading guilty to the charges and he had no choice but to represent him as such the following morning. 
He left the room after telling Derek he would see him in the morning. He did not have a grin on his face. If anything, he looked very defeated. Derek hoped, once again, that he had made the right decision. Detective Charlie had not given up on the Sterling case and had continued to pay attention to the news and court proceedings in relation to it. Linda had teased him on a number of occasions, telling him that he was obsessed and that it would drive him mad. Charlie just felt uneasy and thought that there was still something missing. He had gone over his notes again and again and still couldn't find what was bothering him, but there was something there. Charlie had been working hard all morning on a new case about a break-in at a residence where the owners had left on vacation, when he found himself driving by Linda's work instead. He decided that he would pop in and say hello. Charlie quietly walked down to the basement where Linda spent most of her time, signing in at the desk for visitors, even though they all knew who he was by now, he still wanted to follow protocol. He walked into the large cement room with stainless steel refrigerators on one end and large metal tables throughout the room. Linda sat with her back to him at a small wooden table in the corner of the room. She was taking notes and twirling her long black hair with her left hand. Charlie quietly moved up behind her and put both of his hands on her sides as he let out a loud yell. She abruptly sat up in her chair, letting out a high-pitched scream and turned toward him. Her eyes were filled with fire. Damn it, Charlie, you know I hate it when you do that. You can just go now. Turn around and go straight back out that door. Charlie couldn't help but laugh. He knew that she probably really was mad, but that she would never want him to leave. At least he hoped not. What are you working on? Trying to put you at ease. All this time I have been working on looking over that Sterling girl's case again to try to show you something that will help you relax. And then you come in here acting like a middle school asshole. Seriously. What do you mean you were working on the case? Really? For me? Wow, you are so sweet. Tell me then, what did you find out for your asshole in shining armor? Nice, Charlie, nice. She looked at him with a look of utter disgust, followed by a little bit of infatuation, and it made Charlie laugh again. Well, I don't know how this is going to help. I have been looking at the x-rays of her heart again, and well, let me show you. Come here. Charlie followed Linda to the opposite end of the room where two x-rays were ready for viewing. Linda switched on the light behind them to further illuminate the details. She started pointing to the parts of the heart and using big words that Charlie couldn't remember, let alone understand. He turned and put his face right next to hers and opened his mouth in a blank stare. She laughed and pushed him away. Seriously, Charlie, I'm trying to help you. Oh, sorry. Well, can you put it in terms that I will understand? Okay, well, what it means is that it looks like her heart may have malfunctioned. It could have been that it was pumping too hard and she really didn't know. As soon as she put her foot into the hot water of the tub, it caused the veins and arteries to expand and increase the flow of the blood. It looks like maybe her heart could have just gotten overwhelmed, messed up, and stopped beating. I wouldn't testify to this in court, but if I were to make a guess, that would be it. I would say that she died of heart failure, not drowning. That would make Derek's statement a lie. Why would he lie? You said it before, why would someone admit to murder if they didn't really commit it? It doesn't make any sense. I know it doesn't, but maybe there is a reason. I'm just saying that if your heart is telling you that he didn't really do it, you might be right. But there still isn't any way to prove it, so I guess this is just for your knowledge. I can't believe it. After all this time and stress, I just know that something is going on and I wish I could prove it. Is there a way that the drowning could have caused the heart problem? I guess it could have. Maybe when he submerged her in the hot water, maybe that is what caused it. I guess there really is no way to know. We probably just need to assume that, though, so you can believe Derek and put your mind at ease. You know, some thinking is probably okay for me, right? Good point. It doesn't happen very often, so I probably shouldn't take that away from you. She said, laughing, as he wrapped his arms around her and kissed her on the mouth. Want to go do something dirty in the cleaning closet, Charlie asked, hoping she would say yes, but knowing she would say no. 
Hang on until tonight. I work here, so I can't be doing that. I'll see you later. For now, I have to get back to my real work. Fine, I'll see you later tonight. Thanks for looking into that for me. I still think I will be stressed about it, though. Look at me. There I go thinking again. Charlie walked out of the room, feeling more confused than when he walked in. He went by just to say hello and left feeling like there was really something that he was missing in the case. Maybe it wasn't just a gut feeling. There really may be more going on. Charlie knew there was nothing more that he could do. He would just have to watch and wait and see what took place tomorrow morning. The next morning, Charlie arrived early at the courthouse. He wanted to make sure that he had a place to sit, and he knew this was going to be a very public trial. Just as he had expected, the streets were lined with people. Some were spreading favor for the death penalty, while others were blaming President Bush for the issues in Iraq. It became more than a murder trial, but had somehow brought all things war together in one small town. He was very glad that he had dressed well that morning wearing a gray suit with a blue shirt and a multicolored tie. He walked up the steps, only being asked by a few reporters if he had any comments to make. He assumed that they were locals because they knew who he was, also assuming that the others probably were unaware that he was the lead detective on the case. He walked through the large, heavy doors at the front of the building. He showed his credentials at security and moved quickly through to the courtroom. He wanted to have a good view, but didn't need a front row seat, so he found himself a place to sit in the middle of the courtroom. He hadn't been in this courtroom for a few years. Most of the smaller-scale cases were tried locally in the small four-room courthouse they had in Hanover. This was much more intimidating experience, and he couldn't help but feel bad for Derek. He quickly changed his focus when he sat down on the hard wooden bench and realized that this would probably be a long trial. He wondered what Derek was going to do. Would he plead guilty, or would he try to fight? Charlie didn't know why, but he felt that either way he went, Derek was in for a big life change. Charlie hadn't been expecting her, but shortly after he sat down, that pretty lady he had come to love slipped into the seat next to him. She put her hand on his leg, smiled, and said, I thought I would come and support you. Although Charlie hadn't known that he needed her, he was really glad to have her there. It was also nice to know that he had somebody who would recognize when they were needed and be there for him. It had been a long time since he had felt that way. They both most likely have to give statements later in the trial, but it all depended on the direction the case took today. People slowly trickled in to fill the courtroom. Although he had been anticipating it, he was not prepared to see Derek and Leslie's family. They had both changed so much since he had seen them last. Although they appeared to be trying to be cordial, you could tell from the look on Leslie's parents' face that they partially blamed Derek's family for what had happened. There was something in their eyes. Derek's parents also appeared very differently. They looked as though they had been plagued with guilt since the time that Derek had confessed. They appeared thinner and almost had a gray tone to their skin. Charlie didn't like to see how this situation had changed and impacted so many lives. He didn't realize the impact that it would have when it started, but he could definitely see it now. The rows continued to fill with other family members and members of the military that Charlie assumed Derek had served with. They all had somber gray looks on their face and if Charlie didn't know better, this image would have made him think that the end of the world was coming. The room filled up and people began standing at the back of the room. Voices were hushed when speaking. The atmosphere felt strange and silent. The big wood doors at the back of the room slowly closed on their hinges and two men stood to each side of the doors dressed in full uniform with their hands clasped behind their backs. They had very stern and serious faces and Charlie couldn't help but let his mind wander, wondering why on earth anyone would dare mess with them. He knew it had happened in the past, but he couldn't figure out why anyone would try. Charlie's thoughts were cut short as the side door opened and Derek walked through the front of the room. The entire room shifted to stare at the criminal and spoke in whispers even more quietly than they had been previously. It was almost as if everyone shifted in their seats as to make sure that their eyes could cut deeper into the man standing in orange at the front of the room. Derek turned toward a corrections officer that had escorted him into the room. 
He held out his hands as the officer removed the handcuffs. The officer appeared nervous as if he had never been in such an intense situation in the past. His hands were shaking and he was biting his lip as he focused on putting the key into the handcuffs to unlock them. He finally unhooked them both and pulled them off. He then had Derek sit in the chair so he could remove the shackles from around his ankles. The metal of the links between the cuffs rattled against the floor as people sat silently staring. As the officer moved back to the side of the room, Derek turned toward his attorney. Jason and Derek talked quietly with their heads together. Derek, are you sure this is the decision you want to make? We still have time to make a different future for you, Jason said. No, I'm sure this is the decision I want to make. Look at all of these people in the room. I have to. I can't walk away from this now. Fine. Just sit there and don't say anything then. Unless the judge asks you. Derek turned to the front of the room and waited. Although only a couple of minutes passed, Derek felt like hours had gone by. The eyes staring at him felt like they were burning holes in the back of his neck. He was too scared to turn around and look at his family, and yet too frightened to look forward. He bowed his head and waited. Finally, the announcement of the judge came and it felt like a weight lifting off of Derek's shoulders in relief. The time he had been waiting for had finally arrived. He could hear the shuffling of feet as everyone stood up, but was unaware of anything else in the room. He began to lose feeling again, where he felt like he was an onlooker into his whole life. He felt numb to the situation and the experience that was taking place. He sat because everyone else had sat, and he just waited. He wanted to pinch his legs to see if he could still feel, but he also knew he probably didn't want to feel. Not at this moment. So he just sat, hands crossed in his lap. The judge went on to welcome everyone and to read the charges filed against Derek. He asked at this time how Derek would like to plead. Jason stood up, his chair slid backwards making a loud squeak. He cleared his throat, turned to look at Derek, then back to the judge and said, Your Honor, the defendant pleads guilty to the charges. A loud gasp of air filled the room from every lung and every mouth. Nobody could believe that Derek would plead guilty to such a crime without a fight. Leslie's mother began crying, and the sobbing mixed with hushed whispers. The judge had to ask for silence before turning to the prosecution to hear about any plea that had been reached. The prosecuting attorney informed the judge of the reduction to manslaughter for 1 to 15 years in prison. Again, hushed whispers filled the room. He could be out in only a year? Only that long? The judge agreed to the plea bargain requesting treatment, counseling, and a future evaluation upon release prior to allowing Derek to return to any contact with his children. He then asked Derek if he wanted to say anything. Derek didn't want to say anything. He didn't know what he would say. He felt like he was still thinking about what to say when the words, I'm sorry, came out as he faced Leslie's family. He knew he was looking at them, but he really couldn't see them. He turned around and sat back down. The callousness of his remark would later be documented in local newspapers, representing the lack of feeling and remorse that this monster felt. The community would spread word on the street and in local chat rooms about the unfeeling husband who brutally murdered his wife. Derek was led out of the courtroom after again being returned to handcuffs. The crowd left the courtroom in droves, gathering in small pockets, talking to the media or one another. They couldn't believe the situation that had just taken place. They couldn't believe what a horrible person Derek Sterling had become. Charlie moved through the crowds, holding Linda's hand, trying to avoid all media, hoping they hadn't figured out who he was yet. They all had their hands full of local people who wanted to get their story on the air about how they knew Derek, because they had once sat in the same restaurant as him and so on. Charlie thought it was funny how all of a sudden when things go bad, everybody and their dog knows you and wants to talk about you on television. His shoulders bumped into many people as he quickly walked through the crowd. He and Linda both got into their car and quickly pulled out of the parking lot. We'll come back for my car. I just don't want to have to deal with people right now. 
Let's go find a quiet place to sit around here, Charlie said as they pulled out. They pulled into a small diner on the outskirts of town. There was one man sitting at the bar. He had gray hair and a cup of coffee sitting in front of him. He turned to look as Charlie and Linda walked in. They were only two booths on the south wall and two tables in the middle. Charlie and Linda slid into a booth, glad to be out of the public. What a day. That was really strange. I don't understand why he wouldn't try and fight, Linda said. Probably because he did it. I guess sometimes when you are guilty, you just take the punishment. We just don't see that very much because usually, in prison, they are all innocent. Linda laughed. I guess you're right. It just seems so strange. They continued to talk about the trial and the inconsistencies of the information as they ate homemade burgers and fries that were the best they had in years. They took their time eating and talking and trying to avoid going back to the courthouse. Tune in next time as we continue 21 Steps. 